Hey guys, this is Rob Carbone. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankee info than by listening to this podcast right here, right now. What's up, guys? What's going on? Drop Carbone here. BD4 episode 7 already. It's a Sunday night, um, nearing 9.30 here in New Jersey. Uh, we're coming off a great weekend from the Yankees. A terrific weekend. They destroyed the Boston Red Sox in London uh, in a two-game series. But before we get there, before we get to the good old Yankees, I... um. I want to start with the bad news. <laughs> I want to start with the disgrace, the pathetic, the embarrassing, the disgraceful, the dysfunctional, putrid, awful, terrible, horrible, horrifying, nightmarish franchise that is the New York Knicks. Um, if you haven't been living under a rock lately, tonight was... Uh, the night where you found out that after waiting months and months and months and months all winter long, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have officially decided to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Yep, the Brooklyn Nets, the fake team from across the street who play in that plastic arena. That's who they're going to sign with. The franchise with 12 fans. You know, the little brother. I'm salty right now. Um, That's who they sign with, though. They sign with the Nets, you know, and it's their choice. I'm not mad at them. Do whatever the hell you want. I never really like to get mad at free agents because it's one of those hard things. You can't really get mad at them when you're not in their shoes. I never try to get mad at anybody who, who, you know, leaves or stays, whatever. It's their decision. Unless you're LeBron. I hate LeBron. But no. But getting on track, they they sign with Brooklyn, and um, I'm kind of just so torn on this whole Durant thing. You know, one part of me says I understand it because the statement that they released. Let me get let me find the exact quote. Hold on. Okay, one's from Ramona Shelburne, who says she's a reporter, and she says on Twitter, uh, the Knicks and owner Jim Dolan were not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract. Due to concerns over his recovery from the Achilles injury. Now, like I said, a part of me understands that because he's going to be what thirty-three years old, recovering from this big injury that you know that doesn't have a great track record of recovery, and especially then you consider then you consider that he, the guy's you know about seven feet tall, weighs about a buck forty-five on you know on a good day, so. You kind of get that same vibe, but you know you don't want to get, you don't want them to to max out to waste all their money on a on a superstar who could potentially be washed up in a few years. You know, it's kind of the reason you know people were iffy on Kristaps. You know, so I understand it from that aspect that you don't want to max out a, a player with tremendous risk now. But I don't know. At the same time, then you, then you see the whole. Then you see the different side where it's like, what if he does recover? And what if he at least, you know, what if he's at least 
decent, like better than decent. What if he's like still very good? He may not be ever. He may not ever be the same. But what if Kevin Durant is still very good after this injury? What if he? You know, it's the whole thing is just they didn't make a single offer to a guy named Kevin Durant to a top fifteen player of all time. This isn't just some Joe Schmo. Like it wouldn't be. I don't know, man. There's just so many takes from both sides that I agree with so much. So it's really hard for me to make, you know, to stand on one side of this. And I'm I'm not always two-sided on some things, but this is one of those things where I really have no clue how to feel. You know, but I'll tell you what does suck for the sake of me ranting. <laughs> what this does do is, now that Durant's gone, now that Irving is gone, now that Kawhi Leonard seems to be heading, you know, probably to L.A., not the Knicks, so... Now that they're gone, the Knicks are now stuck in a situation where they will be rebuilding once again. They will be, you know, bottom of the barrel in terms of winning once again. And that's a pain in the ass, man. That's a pain in the friggin' ass because we've dealt with this shit for so long, man. We've been so stuck in this whole rebuild process for how many years now? How many years? And we're going to have to go through it again? And I know it's a different process this time. They're actually doing it right. But it's just so it's It's annoying. God, man, why can't the Knicks ever have great things? And you know, I'm going to be that guy, but I tell you, that Kevin Durant injury doesn't happen. I bet you the Knicks are more aggressive and they probably make sure they damn well get him. But, you know, it happens. The basketball gods happen and... There's nothing you can really do. So I can't like again, I kind of understand it. I kind of don't um completely split on the entire thing. But what the, what I do know is that it's just going to be another miserable miserable rebuild. And I get that they're doing it right. You know, Randall's a nice player for 3 years. Got him at cheap, maybe a little bit of an overpay at 63 million, but you got the team option at year 3, gives you some flexibility to use the money, you know, during when that draft when that draft class, when that free agent class comes along, but again, who, who, for who? Flexibility for who? Are you gonna sign stars then? You, you just missed out on them here, biggest opportunity. So what are we doing here? We're just gonna pray and hope that these young, that these young unpredictable prospects we have right now work. So that's what we're gonna do. I guess it's what we're gonna do. I would love a D'Angelo Russell, but hey, not getting my hopes up for him either. So right now we've got. Randall and even Taj Gibson, I just heard about a few minutes ago. But <laughs> this is where we are, folks. We're rebuilding again with some young players, no stars, another fail. So that's how I feel on this. Let's get to some good things because this is really depressing the shit out of me. <laughs> Let's talk about the Yankees, man. I mean, um, they're at least because they're at least in good spirits. Very, very good spirits. They just. Beat the crap out of Boston Red Sox pitching this weekend. And I mean, and I don't think I've ever seen a display of offense from them like this since like, since probably since 2009. And I'm not just saying that to be, you know, to be, you know, to make a big deal. But really, they come out of the gates in game one and they drop a giant six spot on a Porcello. Yeah, it was Porcello, and they dropped six on him in the first inning. And I don't want to get too much into the to the game because I'm sure you guys, you know, you watched it or maybe you've read my recaps. 
But um, they drop six on him. Tanaka goes out and lays an egg. And pretty much the story of the entire series is the back-and-forth offense between the two teams. It was just a giant mess. It was not a good display of baseball for the country of, for you know, for for London. Um, but, yeah, that was the story the entire of the entire two-game set. It was just the bats just kept going and going and going. And, you know, on the Yankees' side of things, you love to see it, man. Their pitching sucked, and we'll, get, we'll maybe get to that a little bit later. But I want to talk about this. This freaking offense. I probably say it in every podcast, but I mean, it's a good thing because it means they keep on doing what they need to do. And specifically, DJ LeMayhew, what this guy has done, what he's done for the Yankees this season, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's been the definition of value. The most valuable player. You know what? I don't give a damn shit what your analytics say. DJ LeMahieu has been up there in that conversation. Okay, so after this series, right? No, I'm sorry. You go back to his last 13 games. So practically <clears throat> the last two weeks, he's got a he's got a batting average that stands out at 508 in his last 13 contests. <laughs> 508 with 20 RBIs. In the last two weeks. <laughs> this guy's getting one. This guy's getting two or three or four hits. Every single night. But the greatest part about it. Right. The greatest part about it. Isn't that he's just hitting the ball. It's that he's doing it with power now. He's mixing in everything. He's having a balance out there. He's giving the Yankees. That balance. That they never had last year. That they really haven't had much since 2009 when they won the World Series. And that's why I love this guy so much because he's pretty much like the anti-analytics. You know, where he's going to succeed because he does all the things analytics say that don't matter. He literally does. He hits for average, right? He's a high average hitter. He puts the ball in play and makes contact. He'll single the other way if he needs to. He has a low launch angle. You know, he does all these clutch. You know, he does all these things that the friggin' analytical folk hate. And that might be why I love him so much. Because he's still proving to all you all you freaking new age, you know, millennial idiots out there. He's still showing you morons that there is value in having a guy like this. There is value in having an old school type player who makes contact, who can hit for average, who doesn't just have a high on base because he walks, but rather he gets hits. You know, there's value in that still, and DJ LeMahieu is showing that because the Yankees didn't have a guy like LeMahieu last year. You know, they have Andujar, but he had the completely, he had a completely different approach. He was not like the same. The the Yankees haven't had a DJ LeMahieu. Really since like a Derek Jeter type. They haven't had that since, man. And again, 09. He's I, I said when they signed him, he's like a an upgraded Torres. I can go even further with that. He's having the kind of season that I don't know if you remember that Jose Hel- Jose Altuve had um was it two two years ago when he won the MVP. You know, it's that same kind of season where he's just Every night you look up, he's got three hits. You know, he's on pace for 20-something homers. 
on pace to win the batting title, to have well over 100 RBIs, and, you know, to strike out once again under the 100 mark. You know, he's striking out in, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's 11% of his at-bats. So you want to talk about, you know, you want to talk to me about somebody with value? <laughs> Look at DJ LeMahieu of the New York Yankees. Because you take him off this team, right, or you just take him out of the lineup, I guarantee you the Yankees are not in first place. I guarantee you the Yankees don't have 54 wins. I guarantee you the Yankees don't lead the league in a runner's scoring position. I guarantee you the Yankees aren't top five in batting average. You take him off this team and I guarantee you the Yankees are way worse than they would be with anybody else at this moment. And I'm sorry. That includes Judge. That includes Sanchez, who's, who's you know been terrific as well. But I'm sorry. I look at one guy on this team who I'm saying is the glue guy. That's DJ right now. He's that glue guy. He's a championship type of player where you put him on a on a good team like the Yankees and he can really bring them that extra step because of his ability to put the bat on the ball and to change the game just by doing what you need to do. That's all it takes. You know, last year the Yankees didn't have that, man. They hit under 250 as a team. This year they're nearing 270. They're right there. Last year they were a little above 250 with runners in scoring position. This year, they're hitting above 300. I mean, it's been a day-night difference. And don't get me wrong, it's not just DJ. I'm not saying he's been carrying the team. But what I am saying, I am saying that he's been the most valuable on the team. You know? (laughs) I mean, you can't argue it, man. And if you're going to argue it to make it seem like it's a terribly invalid point I'm making then don't even bother because that's a that's there's really nobody who actually watches the game of baseball who actually watches the Yankees that can tell you he's not been the most valuable player of the Yankees you can't tell me that you can't make it seem at least don't make it seem like it's stupid because I had two clowns come in my inbox this morning on Twitter telling me that I'm an idiot because I think DJ is the team MVP I'm not kidding. I had to block two people this morning because I had no idea. There's random strangers coming into my inbox saying, oh, your post was stupid. DJ isn't the Yankees' best player. It's so-and-so. I swear to God. It's so crazy, man. You get people so worked up sometimes because, you know, when you say something different. And most of it, I'm going to say, it's going to hurt some feelings, but most of it is the millennial folk, man. These guys nowadays, these kids nowadays come into the game, they expect it to be all robotic, all these new stats, these WOBA shit, this this X-War, F-War, W-X-Y-Z, whatever the hell you want to call it, all these stupid little metrics that they say point out to somebody else being this guy, to somebody else being that guy. I don't buy in any of that shit. You know what I do? I watch a goddamn baseball game and I see with my own goddamn eyes that this player has been better than this player and this better this guy's been better than so and so. It's just that simple. Watch a goddamn game and stop complaining about your stupid metrics having a different opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I ranted a little bit there, but I'm sick of it. This freaking this, this guy is bringing back old school baseball, bringing back fundamental ball. He's a good sign for the MLB. You keep a guy like him on the Yankees, give him some actual coverage, 
Maybe things start changing. Maybe more players start hitting like him. I don't know. But I love it, man. I love DJ. And, again, it's not just him. I mean, you look at this entire Yankees team. I mean, you got Judge hitting damn near 300. You got Didi starting to heat up. You have Glaber Torres. You know, Gio Urshela hitting over the 300 mark. You have so many guys this year that are actually hitting the ball, not just patting the on-base with walks. That has been the difference. And I'm telling you, it has. I'm telling you, there is still value in hitting the ball for average. There's still value there. And we're finally seeing it. We're finally, I think it's finally being exposed that you can't just do that. You can't just hit homers and and walk and strike out to get away with winning. I think in the long run, we're going to eventually find out that if you continue to put the bat to the ball, you're going to have much more success in October. That's why I'm much more confident with this team right now. The difference is day-night from last year to this. I mean, wow. You remember last year when they had the bases loaded? You were not confident. You could go take that piss you wanted to take. But this year, man, I'm staying in the room. Oh, DJ's up. I got to see him here. Oh, Urshela's up. I know he'll hit one into the gap. Oh, Gary's up. You know, he's not trying to pull a home run every time anymore. You know, you want to watch these at-bats, every single one. These are can't-miss at-bats from every single friggin' player on this team. Can't miss. We didn't say that last year, man, because they were so, you know, streaky and dependent on the long ball, but not this season. They've been as perfect as you could be. It's just been such a blessing, man, and I really couldn't have asked for more. So, man, I just love what I'm seeing this year from the team. Um... Overall, everybody's playing so well. Now, they do have their concerns. They must, must, must get some starting pitching, man. As great as the offense has been, as great as they've been offensively, the pitching, the starting pitching, and even the long relievers, it's been putrid, man. Putrid. Jonathan Holder blowing 10-2 to leads. Tanaka not even, not even leaving the first inning with six spots. Um, we don't even have a fifth starter. Three of our four starters have ERAs above the four mark, one above the five mark. Our highest ERA, you know, Tanaka has a 374. Second highest, a 386 in Herman. So we don't have an ace right now, man. We don't. So that's going to be a legitimate concern going forward. But, you know, there's, there's, you could, if the Yankees play their cards right, they could make this work with a trade or two. Preferably two, because I think they need more than one good pitcher. Get a Stroman. You know, if you can't get Scherzer, you can't get Castillo, try to get Stroman. Try to get Bumgarner. Bauer, I'd even take. Get some of those guys. But definitely going to have to get some. You know, you can't. Just rely on the bats. As amazing, as amazing as they've been, you cannot out-hit people in the long run. But they they finally seem to be having this this offense that, that could succeed in October. Finally, it's about time. Now they just got to put it together on the other side with the pitching. They can do that, and I'm telling you guys, if they can do that, this team's winning the friggin' World Series. Have I ever said that in the past? Me. Negative old Robert. <laughs> but that's how confident I am with, with his offense. So I'm telling you, they get pitching, man. They are a freaking monster. 
But please, get the pitching. Get there first, get it done, and then we'll talk. All right? Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Episode 7. I'm going to end this now. Going to get to bed. Get a long day tomorrow. Um, Thank you so much for stopping by. Go Yanks. Uh, Go Knicks, I guess. (laughs) I'll see you in the blog on Tuesday night. Thanks so much, guys. Ciao.